The following interview originally aired on KPOV 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Central Oregon. The interview was conducted on the Wednesday edition of The Point, a local affairs show that airs Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. on 88.9 FM and kpov.org. Our guest this morning is cybersecurity expert Matthew Canham. Welcome to the Wednesday Point, Matt, and thank you for your time this morning. So, Matt, you are CEO and co-founder of Consu.io, a company dedicated to providing cybersecurity training and other security services for small to medium-sized businesses. Let's start out by first learning more about you. Give us some insight into your background. Sure. Well, I uh, actually started out with uh, the FBI uh, in uh, 2009, and prior to that, I had no real knowledge or experience with cybersecurity because I came from a background in cognitive neuroscience. So I was really coming at this more from a psychological, behavioral perspective. And everything that I learned, I learned, you know, from the bureau. And when I actually got out into the field, what I what I found was that this is really an issue of people in technology, not really a technology problem. And so the first case I ever worked is something called business email compromise. And this is where the fraudsters impersonate somebody in a way to trick the target or the victim into transferring money. And so in this case, it was $4 million that was uh, sent. And uh, unfortunately, that was uh, not a very large business. So a million dollars, or excuse me, $4 million was quite a lot for them. And as I progressed through my career, what I found was that the vast majority, I mean, like 99% of all the cases had some sort of human element. And in fact, the Verizon data breach uh, investigation report, which just came out two days ago, they say that 82% of all of the breaches from 20, let's see, it would be 2021, involved some sort of human error or human element. So. Wow. So the name of your company is Kansu. What does that mean? Tell us about the significance of that. Sure. Kansu is the name of uh, an Egyptian deity, uh, the god of uh, the moon, I believe. And Kansu guided travelers in the night in their travels. And so we we thought that was a nice name because we're sort of helping uh, small businesses to navigate the dark fields of cyberspace. Cyber fraud, ransomware, wire fraud. Explain to us what these terms mean and why we should be concerned about them. Yeah, so wire fraud is sort of a catch-all legal term that refers to fraud that's committed over any sort of uh, electronic medium, really. Uh, So it can actually be radio, in fact, uh, TV, over email, over anything basically that's transmitted uh, electronically. Across state lines, that becomes a federal offense. And so wire fraud is a much more inclusive sort of term. Uh, cyber fraud is sort of more like a uh, generic. It's not, a, it's not a legal term. And it's much more uh, restrictive, meaning it has to do with something to do with cyberspace. And I think that's significant because a lot of fraud actually occurs over the phone. And something that we've seen more of in the last five years are what we call multi-channel attacks, where there'll be an email that's sent to somebody and then that's followed up, say, with a phone call or a text message or all of these. And as you start to add these different channels, email, phone, etc., it sort of lends legitimacy in the mind of the victim. Ransomware, what's that? So ransomware is, it's a type of malware. So malware is uh, software that's designed to do something malicious. And ransomware, what 
it does is when it's uh, deployed on a system, when it's downloaded or, or opened, it encrypts the data that's on that system. So what that does is it prevents the data owner from being able to access that data because they don't have the encryption key. And the, the ransom aspect of this comes in when the victim is forced to pay the criminal for that key in order to unlock that encrypted data. So I wanted to ask you, getting back to the other question about uh, cyber fraud and the fact that people get, you know, an email and then a phone call, how do these criminals get a hold of people's information, personal information like that? Social media? (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, they must get a whole slew of it, right? Yeah. They don't just attack one person. There are several sort of interlocking cottage industries here. Social media is is definitely one of the main aspects or one of the main avenues. However, any time that there is a data breach, and I, I know of at least four that my information has been sold on personally, but and that's that's pretty much average. So we're talking about like you know the Yahoo breach, the LinkedIn breach, Marriott had a breach uh, some years ago. And when you look at the numbers of records that are compromised in each of those breaches, uh, you'll see that pretty much every person in the U.S. has probably been compromised at least three or four times at a minimum. Well, what happens to that data then is that data is then sold to dark market data brokers, essentially. And uh, I have to confess, I'm not current on what the prices were, but uh, about two years ago, stolen credit card, depending on the remaining balance, was going for anywhere between a dollar ten and maybe $10 a card. And so that's where this information is coming from. So they would have to get quite a few at the same time to be able to make any money on it, right? Yeah, but I mean, if they compromise a database, I mean, that can hold millions of users. Wow. So you mentioned social media. Tell us how our information gets stolen off of, say, Facebook. Sometimes it's not even stolen. The double-edged sword about social media is that you share everything, but that means that you're sharing everything. So there's a term, it's it's called OSINT, that stands for Open Source Intelligence, and this is used by good actors as well as bad actors, and criminals will often create fake profiles, and these profiles can look very, very good, and they will then befriend people, and in the process of friending them, they will then get access to information that people are freely posting. And so I'll give you a, a very concrete example, not involving federal crime, is that we, for a period, were seeing uh, home burglars monitoring, um, I can't remember which social media platform it was, but th- there was one of them that had something called a check-in. And you could, if you were going out to eat or something, you could check in. And this was very convenient for home burglars because they knew that you weren't home. And so then they would go and they would burglarize the house. Matt, you mentioned that you had actually been hacked four or five times. How do we know if we're a victim of cyber fraud and what do we do if we find out that we are a victim? Well, I guess to clarify, I said that my data had been breached. Uh, so ah. this had uh, really nothing to do with me personally. So for one example, I had Marriott uh, membership. And so all the information that I had on that membership would have been compromised 
when their systems were compromised. And so that's um, actually to the point, it's almost impossible for us as individuals to do anything about that, right? Because we have no control over this. And uh, if I can go on a small tangent, at uh, a DEF CON a number of years ago, uh, Senator Ron Wyden actually brought this up. And he said, you know, if these companies weren't keeping all of this data, then this data wouldn't be available to be breached by the bad actors. And that's something that uh, I, I really wish that there was better legislation on. Uh, Europe has GDPR, uh, the oh, I think it's General Data Protection Regulation, and it basically protects consumers' data and it gives consumers the right to have their data removed from any sort of repository that may have it. And uh, there are a few states that have enacted similar legislation. Uh, California has uh, enacted the California Consumer Protection Act, I think it was, CCPA. And it's a, a similar type of privacy legislation, but it's a little different and not quite as strong. And it's very confusing, too, because I spend part of my time in California. When I go down there, they always ask me about who it's okay to share it with. And then when you go to the page to try to make a choice, it's like, wait a minute, which choice am I making? They don't make it very clear. It's not as good as it should be. That's one of the services that my company offers is uh, CCPA compliance. And yes, it is very very confusing. Matt, you were talking about social media earlier. How do people get our information off of social media? Well, again, by just uh, making that connection and watching what people post, what they post about. One of the dangers of that is that passwords can be actually very difficult to crack, depending on how good people are at setting up their passwords. But assuming that they're that they're using good cyber hygiene and that they're creating strong passwords, passwords that are long and have, you know, characters and uh, numbers as well as upper and lowercase letters, it can be very hard to, to break those. And so what we've seen is that criminal will sort of uh, pivot and will instead just uh, what we call social engineer. And this is something that uh, it's a it's a basically it's a way to use human behavior against humans. Social engineering is basically that's a way to think of it. And what uh, what the criminals will do will actually be to reset the passwords. And so if you think about if you've ever had to reset a password and I actually if, if you've never done this, you should go through the exercise just to see what is involved in resetting your password. And one of the techniques is that you're given a series of questions that you need to answer. And these questions might be, you know, where did you go to elementary school? What was the name of your first grade teacher? Uh, what was your first pet? What town did you grow up on in, etc. And these are often things that people post in social media. And so even these little uh, seemingly innocuous details can actually have uh, tremendous value to criminals. Wow. Scary. So Central Oregon is a very popular location for remote or work-from-home workers. What types of special security concerns do remote workers face, and what can be done to protect them? Well, the primary thing is, is the router. Because the thing to realize if you're working from home is that 
most work from home employees, I, I shouldn't say most, but m- many use virtual private networks, uh, VPNs. And what a VPN is, is it's essentially an encrypted tunnel between that endpoint, that device or whatever that the person is using and the, the online resource that they're accessing. So maybe that's the, the work database or what have you. So again, uh, criminals are always going to go after sort of the weakest link that they can find. And so if they can compromise that home network, then they can get in on that endpoint of the VPN and then tunnel through as if they were that employee. So with routers, it's important if you're using wireless that you're using at least WPA2 or higher security, encryption security. And also it's very important that the default password on the router is changed because oftentimes, especially on the older routers, um, they would just come with uh, sort of a default password that would apply to any of that router and people could just look up on Google what the default password was. And so then um, criminals could just access that device and change the settings. And then finally is making sure that the firmware on the router is, is updated. Well, we are running out of time. However, I do want to ask you about kids. A lot of kids spend a lot of time online. What can be done to protect them? Well, and I'm I'm actually glad that you brought this up because this is this is an area where I've seen a couple of uh, really horrible child exploitation cases. And yeah, there are a lot of bad actors out there. But there are a couple of uh, software packages that you can look at. And actually, these are things that we have on our website. If uh, if you do want to go and find them on the website that. Uh, that will allow parents to monitor uh, online activities, smartphones, and that sort of thing. But I would say that's the most important thing that parents can do is to monitor that activity. I know it can feel invasive, and I'm very privacy conscious. However, kids just don't have that awareness uh, that someone who appears to be their friend may not be their friend. And I think this is something that adults might key into much quicker. Without going too deep into the woods, if all of this hasn't given us enough to worry about... Talk to us about the dangers of geopolitical influences on cybersecurity. So this would be an entire other episode. <laughs> um, we'll have you back. We have yeah. a minute. <laughs> I will I will say just really quickly, though, one of my concerns is food security. And here in Central Oregon, agriculture is a major industry. And I've talked to uh, several farmers that uh, use apps on their phones to control center pivot uh, irrigation systems. If there's an app on the phone, then that means that there's an attack vector for somebody in, say, Russia, North Korea, or China, whatever, to attack agriculture systems here. And with food scarcity here, that's a real concern for me. You know, as a master gardener, no longer, but at um, Hollinshead, and we did all the irrigation systems. I had an app on my phone for that, and that's that's really frightening. (laughs) Where can our listeners go, Matt, for more information? Uh, Kansu.io, and Kansu is spelled K-H-O-N-S. O-O dot I-O. And we also have a YouTube channel. Okay. I'm going to go home and change all my passwords. What about you? I didn't even oh, think yeah. about the router. I'm just going to unplug my computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Matthew Cannon, for uh, scaring us to death. Yeah, no kidding. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.